Hey, everybody. Welcome to Roger and Me, a.k.a. Roger Ebert and Me, a weekly movie review podcast that's a tribute to Siskel and Ebert, hosted by myself, Brett Arnold, and my co-host, Mark Dusick of MarkReviewsMovies.com. We aim to cover every new theatrical release and every new streaming release every Friday in the format pioneered by Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. If you're unfamiliar, check out At The Movies or one of the many incarnations of Siskel and Ebert. Uh, You can mostly watch it on YouTube now. There is no dedicated streaming home to the show, which is a bummer, but it is mostly available in piecemeal clips on YouTube. Uh, The name of the show made a lot more sense when we were revisiting old episodes of Roger uh, Siskel and Ebert and re-watching those movies and re-evaluating them. That's where the cover art comes from. But instead, we have morphed into the all-encompassing, just do what they did. Cover all the movies every week. It's something Mark's been doing for uh, 23-plus years at this point. Every time I say it, I add a year. I don't know if I'm right, but it sounds right. Uh, So this week, we have seven. Seven new release movies, despite the fact that if you were to check your local listings, you know it doesn't seem like there's any movies coming out this week. Last week, we had the same problem, and there were nine. Now there are seven. It's another week where we didn't leave the house. They were all you know, small enough that they gave us links to watch at home. So it doesn't feel like there's anything wide or big. But there's still some good stuff in here, including one that I had never even heard of that is very small and is easily my favorite movie of 2024 so far. And it goes back farther than that. It's a great movie. We'll talk about that one among several others. I'm just vamping at this point. Mark, what's up? Not much. Again, cool. It's, there's never anything up. There's nothing ever yeah. special up. That's One it. time I'm going to ask you and you're going to have some amazing information for me. Yeah. But I'm, not today. I climbed Mount Everest. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. I one of those can, one of these days. You can be happen. guaranteed you will never ever hear those words come <laughs> out of my mouth except as a joke. It'll be I watched a bunch of movies this week. It will be the the most recent information probably that it'll I be I watched you. one movie this week. Ta-da. Oh what? Yeah, that's it's not wrong. true. Is there something that's, wrong? That's also not true. That'll never happen. That will never happen. Uh so as you can see, we watch a lot of movies. The first one, let's talk about a movie mark that I saw a full year ago at the Sundance Film Festival online version. I did not go to Utah. I stayed at home and watched it in New York City. Uh, but this explains, if anyone was wondering, why isn't Brett watching all the 2024 Sundance movies? It's because I'm still reeling from Sundance 2023 and hosting a podcast where we aim to review every movie every week. So I end up doubling back and re-watching 20 movies, uh, 15 of which I thought were bad uh, for this show. Uh, but this time... I rewatched a movie that I liked okay at the festival, and I liked it even more this time. And that also happened with the movie called Fremont that I enjoyed. Uh, that's out now. You can watch on some streaming platform. But the movie I'm talking about now is Sometimes I Think About Dying, starring Daisy Ridley. Here's the trailer. doing Fran? Not bad. I'd love to introduce you all to the newest member of our little family. This is Robert. Hello. Hey. Fran, right? Hey, Fran. Sorry. I scared you. I'm sneaking up on people. Booga booga. I'll let Mark start, if only because I am very, I'm chomping at the bit to hear why he didn't like this movie that much. I saw that he logged it not so high and I hadn't read it yet because I wanted to just get right into it. Mark, tell me about this movie and why it didn't hit for you. It didn't hit for me. And it's not because of Daisy Ridley, who I think is really good in general. And she's good here. Um, It's about a character who works in some office somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. She does nothing except go to work, go home, eat cottage cheese, and 
do puzzle books in front of Which, the TV. Cottage cheese is not a cheese, by the way. It's it a, is curd. a curd. She yeah, Googled you it. learned that. Yeah. You learned that in this movie. Um, and that's kind of the routine the movie sets up. And I was like, okay, I get it. This is this is her life. This is what she's doing. The 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 turn is a new coworker comes into the office and he invites her out to a movie at the local theater. They go, they have dinner afterwards, they have pie afterwards, they talk, they start hanging out a little bit, and she is still just sort of quiet and restrained and not offering up anything about herself when they're going out and talking. And I I don't know. After a bit, I just I just got it. And it's like, okay, this this person is, you know, introverted. She doesn't really feel like she's a part of anything. I understand it. What actually is the interesting thing about this character? What is the hook beyond one that she's an introvert and that she too thinks about dying often? Um in very picturesque tableaus. Yes, very yes. picturesque. Lying on the forest floor with bugs crawling all over amongst a yeah. pile of wood on the beach. Um, I just, I it didn't hit as much as I appreciated Ridley's performance and the sort of very, I don't know, I, the, all, the, all those scenes in the office are pretty picturesque too. The way that she's framed amongst all the people but against the door or like crouched on the floor and you see just the coworkers waist as they're having a conversation that you can barely hear. Yeah. I'm, I get it. And it just never clicked beyond just telling me this character is sad and lonely and she's okay with that because it's really the only thing she's ever known. And when something new comes in, she's too scared to really do anything about it. I, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't hit for me on the level that I kind of was hoping it was at the start, because it starts off so strong and so evocative with Ridley's performance and all of those visual elements. So that's, that's where I'm at with it. Um, So I kind of felt the same way. I think the first time that I saw it and this time by the end, Mark, I cried at the end of this movie. The second time, once I was able to like really appreciate, I feel like, Yes, Fran is like one note in that, you know, she's this introvert who won't let anybody in. But and maybe it's just me and like I related to this character. But I do feel like we all have a little bit of Fran in us. And it's a movie about, you know, just ex- finally opening up and learning to open up and how the the power of human connection. One of my favorite things to talk about in movies. And when they do that, it makes me feel something almost always. So this time... I don't want to ruin anything. It's a very low key movie. It's hard to like ruin with spoilers or something, but like something as small as her bringing donuts to work in the movie after like being like very, I sit at my desk and I don't talk to anybody the whole time. Like I was cheering, like when the three Spider-Man showed up uh, in the Spider-Man movie, like a Marvel fan, like I was hooting and hollering. I was like, yeah, she did it. She broke through. So like, just that tender human connectionness, and I don't want to ruin like the ending, ending, but like the final scene, her finally opening. I don't want to say anything. God damn it! But yeah, like, I know it's hard. It's hard because it's it's hard. That is because the best scene in the movie. I think I know it, it's, it just comes at the very end, and that is that is for me the starting point of this character and really the drama of her opening up. And where does that go? How does she adapt to that? You're kind of teased out throughout the movie. Yeah. That she is slowly learning to maybe be able to do that, but it never happens until the very end. And I think that's kind of letting us down. And it's letting the character down too a bit. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, for me this time, I just ended like it ended on such a great note that I was like, Oh, I like that movie, even though I may not have liked it as much as I think I did, but I, I this time around, I also enjoyed the the humor which i i'm sure i enjoyed the first time too but like you know how he's slacking her i don't know if you guys have the same messaging service that i use that she uses in the movie it's called slack but they're 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 chatting at work and i like the way that he just goes i've never had a job before like it's so out of nowhere and like it's hard to believe and you can't really tell if he's joking or if he's serious i found that funny i found all the monotonous like mundane conversations like you're at a work meeting and there's a new person. So why don't we all go around and say our favorite foods and how awkward that is. Like the little details that yes, a million movies have mined. 
this is the same shit. I'm I definitely aware of that. But it worked for me and it really worked for me. Um like once you know the when you know what you're getting into, maybe I wasn't let down but that it ended at the best point. I was just like happy for the character's growth or whatever. So this did work for me. It's very low key. It's not laugh out loud funny. It's more like um like chuckle at how relatable it all is type of thing. And yeah, it doesn't do a lot with the dying stuff, but I it's just it's just kind of it's a character study and it's homing in on like a very specific type of like low grade depression or like ennui or whatever you want to call it uh, that you get from working in a place like this. And I feel like it does feel very lived in and it's a debut. I agree. It's stark. It looks good. And the score I really liked, I just ended up, I was like, I, I think it's a good movie. I like it. It's a strong debut. Daisy Ridley. Great as the star, she also produced the movie and is very proud of it, and is talking about it on the circuit, uh, you know, on the press circuit a lot. And uh, I, yeah, I was surprised to to enjoy it as much as I did this morning when I rewatched it. Full throated three star review for me. I really, I, I liked it. Uh, disappointed two stars, and I, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I get it, I get it. I just, I didn't, it didn't hit me on the level that I think it hit you, even though I recognized everything about the character. I just, yeah. I just wanted that little bit more. I don't even necessarily know if it's like a key piece of information about her that would make her interesting or anything, but just something, something that you can cling on to. They're like, yes, this person is worth getting to know. She's not just somebody who sits in the office corner the entire time I'm watching the movie. I'm just like, that's, that's who she is. And yes, that's okay. But Maybe maybe the movie needed that little push that happens at the end. I still think there's a lot of drama that can happen after the movie ends. If you if you think about it, because there's that scene that I don't want to give away anything either, but there's that yeah. scene in the car between her and the coworker. Yeah. Where everything kind of flips and she doesn't expect it to, you know, it just comes out of nowhere. That yeah. could still happen. Yeah. If she's kind of making some sort of connection and opens up. And then where does that take her? Anyway, that's where I'm just getting at. Is I think it just needed that little push about something about the character other than, oh, she thinks about dying. And here's a pretty, a pretty uh, vignette of that. I'd, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, two stars. Just mostly disappointed. Not I don't I don't hate it. So see which side you land on. Watch. Sometimes I thinking about uh, sometimes I think about dying. It is a limited release. I do not know if it's on VOD. I really should have this information in front of me when I talk about it. Uh, but you can uh, look it up. Check your local listings. Check your... Uh, I always check iTunes. That's where you can really just look and it'll tell you it's out this date. So do that if you're interested. I'm sorry. And I'll write in the description. I'll do the, I'll do the work. We'll put in the work. All right. This next movie. Whew, it's a doozy. Let's just say I started this one late at night expecting to fall asleep and... Uh, I did not fall asleep. I was riveted by this movie and what goes on in it. Here's the trailer for Miller's Girl. What's your name? Kyra Sweet. I'm pausing. I don't know if Mark's even still here to, to comment. I had to pause just to say, did you guys hear that? It was Jenna Ortega saying her name is Cairo Sweet. That's the character's name. I'm going to start the trailer over again so you can hear it again. And uh, we're going to continue with the trailer. Here you go. What's your name? Cairo Sweet. I'm Mr. Miller. I'm assuming that you got one of these before. I read the whole list. Well, there's 12 books on that list. Party hard. Always said I was a good kid. What is an adult? I'm 18, languishing in the wilds of nowhere, Tennessee. Don't know how I'll ever break this curse. Don't you get scared walking through those woods? I'm the scariest thing in there. <laughs> Never knew I could be speechless. I want you to write a short story in the style of your favorite author. Are you offering me special treatment, Mr. Miller? So I assume one of Mark's issues with the movie and mine too uh, is that 
the trailer you've seen that trailer you probably get everything that's going to happen in the movie there aren't really a lot of actual surprises but i still found it you know titillating and exciting and fun to watch because of the performances even though the material is familiar and tropey and the movie's trash it's trashy and i like that it's trashy they need to be trashier what's the issue talk to me oh you were oh you were kidding that you liked it okay i thought you were being oh no oh no no. i well i'm like Um, two and a half it's not all right it's a waiver okay got it you're yeah you're the classic on the fence two and a half okay so um I hmm. all right. So I didn't see the trailer. <laughs> I didn't see the trailer. The yeah. opening kind of teases at this idea that the 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 opening teases like a lot of mysteries going on, and there is a mystery here. And it's what is the nature of this relationship between the teacher and the student? And I don't know. It just it 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 just is sort of telling you everything that's doing. I don't think it means to. I think the the issue is the performances and they're both good but i think they're the wrong performances if this is supposed to be some sort of twisty thriller where you're not sure it's all about motive like what do these characters actually want what are they getting at is the teacher really just a struggling writer who's flattered by a student and takes her under his wing because he thinks she could be good is that all it is or is there that other element where you know He's in a dis- he's in a bad marriage to a drunk and more successful writer than he is. Um, the wife the wife scenes are really really funny just because it's played so over the top. That character just exists yeah. to make sure you know he is um, frustrated on a bunch of levels. It's really great funny. actress Dagmara. She's Dominic, good. She's, who's in she's, Succession and Priscilla and tons of stuff. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good here too, but those scenes are really funny just because yes. you're like, yes, I get the point. I get the point. There's another subplot with a coach and um, Jenna Ortega's character's best friend who has a crush on the coach and she's trying to get with him. So you're mm-hmm. like, okay, let's throw that idea in there. I don't know. There's just something about the combination of the two of Martin Freeman and Ortega, the two of them. I think they're playing. I think they're playing towards what is actually going on here, potentially more than the mystery of it. If that makes any sense, like Jenna Ortega is very good and she's good here, but she's playing the character in a way that I could see everything that was going on with the character. I didn't have any doubt about who this character is, what this character wants. I did, nothing was there. So when that ending comes along, it didn't surprise me. It didn't shock yeah. me. Yeah. It didn't do anything. I'm just like, yeah, okay. And it's so- more the journey than the destination of a movie for me, where it's like you're either gonna have fun watching Jenna Ortega in the first like minute of the movie via narration go, I am 18 and entirely unremarkable. <laughs> it feels like she says that, so you can't like be that mad at the movie, right? Like it's like, yeah, don't worry. Oh, She's eighteen. She's it's eighteen. Okay. Yeah, they throw yeah. that in for sure to try it's to really get you. Funny. Be like, they have no moral qualms about it. Like she's yeah. eighteen. It's not. It's not so much that. It's just the the quality of the performance is a certain tone, a certain yeah. attitude that just kind of. I think it just tells you everything you need to know about the character before you're supposed to know. Because I think that entire yeah. opening. Beyond the whole thing of I'm a ghost, nobody pays attention to me. Where are this girl's parents? That mystery, forget all that stuff. Um, the mystery is setting up like, who is this person? Is she just sort of, you know, like a wall? She's a product of generational wealth who lives in a mansion. Isn't that's yeah, also exactly. part of her, also know, part of her narration? Yeah. I'm I know, just I know, yeah. I know, I know. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the, I the, Ortega's performance, I think, gives away too much. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Sure. And so it felt uh, totally anticlimactic when that big thing comes around at the end. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is pastiche. It's hard to be like super excited about it. But when it really gets to like the erotic stuff, like when they're reading smutty Henry Miller books, yeah. is it aloud or whatever? And like, I like it just, I mean, maybe it's just the pure like sex cells of it all, but like on a basic <laughs> on a on a basic instinct level i was gonna say what's a movie reference uh on a basic level there's something titillating and exciting about the material that like i can't outright dismiss it but it's still 
yeah, like it ultimately doesn't lead anywhere that you don't see coming. But it made me laugh so much, Mark. Her name is Cairo Sweet, for Christ's sakes. Uh, and the degree to which there's no other students at the school and stuff like that. That that was funny. That It's funny. Like, I feel it, like the movie knows it's funny with that. Like, the Southern Gothic look and the fact that it is just, like, this story that is just these characters, very stagey, and, and there's literally no one else at the school ever. Like, all those elements that are... It just it made me, like... It's like, like, is this an assured debut or... They didn't. They weren't able to afford extras. Like, is one of those things. I'm like, I thought it was an interesting choice, and I feel like it's full of interesting choices, even though the script is lackluster. But man, I had fun watching these two perform this trashy script. You know what I mean? It's just like a guilty pleasure that, like, it, you know, late January, right? It feels like a perfect jan- late January. Two and a half, see it if it sounds interesting to you, but it's not great, but I had fun. That's where I'm at with it. Two and a half. I yeah, I'm definitely not that high. I'm just at two. I think I think the scenes where the two of them are talking literature and having that sort of innuendo moments between themselves. Yes. I think that that works. I think that stuff works. That's because Freeman and Ortega are good here. What about when he's reading what she wrote? Did you like that? <laughs> <laughs> in the shed yeah i was he goes dying. To shed. Yeah. i was i was it's laughing great. that's it's... what i mean i feel like it like you could easily just walk away from this and go it's so bad and like i it just doesn't work for me it's so over the top and bad and silly but if you're the type of person who likes i don't know what i hate the so bad it's good thing i don't think that that's what's going on but i think it's self-aware and campy or whatever you want to say about it and it knows that it's funny that he goes off to the shed to whack off to her, to her fan fiction or whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, it is, it's fun. I, I really wish I could get to three on it. I like, wish I'm, I had I'm almost more there. fun. I'm almost I there. wish I had more fun with it, but I don't think it, I don't think it's that self-aware of how trashy it is or it wants to be. I don't think it's at that level. There's the, too much. There's too much that it takes seriously for it to be did you that know, level of trashy. Did you know that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are producers yeah. on this? I Isn't saw that, that at the saw that the credits. I'm like, wait, unbelievable! What? It's like they're they have a company called Point Gray Point Gray Pictures. So I guess that's why I don't know how involved they were besides like helping produce and greenlight it or whatever. But it's yeah, so wild to think about. That also makes me think about the tone and go, hmm, it was definitely trying to be funny. There's a movie out. Is this what you have next? Uh, uh, hundreds of beavers. That's the name of the movie. Uh, the less we say about it before you see this little trailer, the better. And then we'll talk about why you gotta go see hundreds of beavers, however, however you can. Here's the trailer. Hard to describe, but also not that hard to describe because it is like this by the times this times this times this. So for me, it really played like live action cartoon Looney Tunes style done in the style of a Buster Keaton silent comedy. And it has a video game aesthetic, like a classic video game aesthetic. There's one part that I'm like, this is just Mario. Like This is just old NES Mario. Um, and it's just about a fur trapper killing beavers in various ways for, it's not even a 90 minute movie. It is like a hour 50 almost. It is a full, maybe hour 45. It is a full movie. When I sat down and watched it, I said, there's no goddamn way. I know Mark said, just trust me and watch it, but there's no goddamn way. I will be laughing that whole time. There's no way it can sustain this silly premise throughout that whole time. And it absolutely does because it just is bursting with inventiveness and creativity. 
and uh, in both the visuals and the comedy. It's just mind-blowing, slapstick, funny. I, you, I couldn't ruin the gags if I tried because they're all so visual and they like the running gags, especially like the way they build on them each themselves. So funny. And it's just, it's astounding. I'm like, kind of my, I'm at a loss for words. It's like one of those indie movies you see and you're like, this is amazing. I didn't know that was possible to make a movie that looks like this. Like it's black and white, clearly shot, you know, on good cameras, probably like a DSLR or something. And done in like after effects i guess just like you can make this on your computer like a a indie person with skill could make this and they have and it's amazing and i don't know studios should take note of this guy and give him money because this presumably was made with very little and it's amazing yeah it is i i don't know what else to add to it although i want to add so much to it because i think we're underselling it it is it's a minor miracle that this movie got made and it's made this well and it looks this good. Just like a cup, like a few guys up in Wisconsin filming this in the woods with rented, I'm assuming, animal costumes. So all of the animals are, you know, like people in a rabbit costume, men, yes. grown men and women in rabbit costumes and beaver costumes, just playing around in the woods. And it looks amazing. All of the beyond the special effects the visual effects like the whole thing has that sort of jitter as if it's like being cr- hand cranked yes. the camera yes. operator that is that degree of detail is what's in here yeah. um i don't know i do feel like if we were to just talk about it more we would just be spoiling gags yeah but i think you do have to kind of get the spirit of it you were right with looney tunes and buster keaton and chaplin and all those connections but it's also like it follows on the logic of those things. It's not just throwing out gags. It's throwing at the logic of it. Like when he's, he's got this trap set up and he's let's go of a log and the log doesn't move until he realizes, Oh wait, I'm not holding onto the log anymore. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's that level of thing. And it gets it exactly right. I was shocked by how many video game references are in this. And it me too. It's like, there's like metal gear solid references in it. When he goes (laughs) up to the shop. Yes. It's, it's like cycling through like a slot machine that you yep. would see in some video game. It all works. It's all of a piece. And it's so funny. The I'm kind of glad it's not as laugh out loud funny as it is in the first 30 minutes. Because I would probably die from laughing if yeah. it were as funny the whole way yeah. through. That first 30 minutes is some of the funniest stuff I have ever seen. Yeah. Um, it's it's so good. And I but it keeps coming up with new inventions. Um that I don't want to spoil, but I really, really, really want to. Like how you learn just how advanced the Beaver Society is oh my God. as it goes. Yeah. Yes. All these little things you like realize, oh, wait, there's like a whole system here going on. And the way that this trapper. Oh, I have to mention the actor. Ryland Brixen Cole Hughes. He's wow. fantastic. He mugs the camera with a plum yeah. and it's always funny. Um but yeah, just the way that th- all of that reveals itself. I did not know where it was going to go. They're building a dam out by the river and you <laughs> it, it it keeps increasing in size. You're like, what is going on there? And you are not expecting what's going to happen there. It's that that level of surprise and innovation, even when it's not as laugh out loud funny as it is in that first 30 minutes. It doesn't matter because the jokes, they keep coming up with new ones and they oh, keep bringing I was... back old ones. And so yeah. to the point, like you forgot about something like the woodpecker, you forget about that. And so when it comes back out of the blue, you're like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many funny moments. Oh. Like the, like how he's fishing with like a snowman and it, and it drops the stick. So the next time you see the snowman, it's got a bunch of muscles. <laughs> Muscular. <laughs> it's, it's, like so funny. it's so funny. Uh, there's the part where he sneezes and then an icicle instantly forms and kills somebody, which is oh terrific. I about, I There's oh, oh the scream. <laughs> uh, he needs to scream to get, scare the rabbits away, and he's he steps on a pine cone oh, God, one time yeah, and he screams and it works. So of course, yeah. what do you do? You need to find a pine cone to step on to get that scream right. Oh yeah, it's great. There's it's, a the uh, I don't want to reveal too much, but like the there's a human suit moment i don't want to it's just yeah shocking like so funny it just keeps it keep that's what i mean it's constantly uh impressive in terms of just like they can't just keep doing the same thing over and over right and they don't 
And when they do, it still works. But like mm-hmm. the movie does reinvent itself over and over and keep telling the story and changing the story. It is, it's brilliant. It is really good. Uh, it has a really st- interesting release strategy. It's on like a little tour of the Midwest right now. Uh, so you could go see it. Let me see. If you're in starting literally today, if you're in Minneapolis, you can see it tonight. <laughs> uh, it's in Wisconsin the rest of the week. It's in Chicago on the 1st of uh, February at the Music Box. It's all over the Midwest through February 10th. And then it opens February 9th nationwide, apparently. It'll be on VOD and streaming on Fandor. It's spring of next uh, spring. Blu-ray in the summer. They got a whole plan. So definitely support this really cool indie movie that it made me laugh more than any movie I can think of in recent memory. It is it I, is this what people felt like when they saw a, uh, a Buster Keaton movie back in the day? Like it, it feels like that type of thing where I'm like it's just a type of comedy they don't make anymore and if they do it's like labored and bad. So this yeah. really feels like like a relic lost in time, but also very modern with those modern references. Uh, it's brilliant. Uh, I don't know why it's not four, but I'm also with you at three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half stars for me. Very strong. Um, hundreds of beavers.com. Very easy to remember. That's the way you can <laughs> see where it's playing when it's playing. Yeah. I know it's, it's got this roadshow thing going on here. And since, you know, it's, it's Siskel and Eber tribute show. We got to support our Midwest. Yeah, I know you're in New York, but I'm still in Chicago. So hey, I never changed my phone number, so it's still a uh, oh. sh- Chicago area. Oh wow, nice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't still realize. Wait, I have your phone number. And I yeah, never, yeah. Like, I forgot eight about four, that. Eight four seven, baby. Not not quite seven seven three, but we'll take yeah. eight four seven. More suburban. Uh, not quite a three one two. Yeah, but hey, at least it's school. not at least it's not a two two four, right? That's some local humor. That's some yep. local color. People will enjoy that. Oh, look at my cat's tails on the camera now. <laughs> she just she just came into the jumped onto my desk. All right, let's move on to American Star, starring Ian McShane. Chicago will be here in a couple of days. Get your holiday time in now. Auntie Holt. Very. Perfecto for the beach. I'm Gloria. Wilson. What do you do? Security. I deal mainly with business. So why are you here? Just making sure everything's in order? It is. The ship. The American star. It's on the other side of the island. Joe's on holiday at home. This movie... Like, how many hitmen doing... Like one last job before retirement. I don't even know if that's what's going on here. I don't really remember, honestly. But like hitman, like introspective hitman movies. We've seen a ton. There's a ton that are great. This cattail's killing me. Uh in Bruges, one of my favorite examples. Like there are so many great movies about hitmen. Uh this one doesn't make the list for me of like transcending that genre uh that we know. And my biggest issue with it, Mark, is that there's only there's only one, if you're watching on YouTube, you're getting a great great episode. If you're listening, there's a cattail. It's interrupting my me. Mark is laughing. It's very it's a good time. Um, there's only one place for this movie to go, and it just goes there. And I couldn't believe after all the laborious like what what we're watching, I'm like it couldn't possibly be as simple as this, right? And it was. And it's just not that interesting or compelling. And it doesn't really have any like life lessons to walk away from about living your life to the full. Like, like, like what I get out of other Hitman movies, I feel like I did not really get it. Just, it, it just has all the cliches and none of the like impact, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Yeah, there are worse ideas, I suppose, than having Ian McShane meander yeah. around an island off the coast of Africa um for like almost two hours but it that doesn't make it a good idea i mean mcshane is great he has that gravitas to him that i'm like okay i can follow this actor around for two hours as he reflects on life and everything that he missed out on and what all this is bringing him towards like this inevitable end 
um, that is coming. And I'm like, okay, yes, I can watch that. But what what's the point? Where's the backup? Where's the rest of the movie backing up that performance and his presence? It's not there. It's just the ship as the metaphor is so on the nose. that It's like it's so was, funny. It's, it's so very funny. funny. It's, it's funny. very this ship yeah. has so much potential. It's gonna be a cruise liner, and the World War II broke out, so it got it, it got drafted. the The ship got drafted into World War II, and then it fought a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I wonder we, if if there's any parallels smoking. with our parachutist from wonder, the war. Yeah. I wonder if our hitman who had a promising young life and then went to the Falklands and fought and uh, and watched all of his buddies die, and then um, ended up being a hitman. I wonder if there's any parallels between who him watched. And the ship. Who watched all his friends specifically drown, which is the reason why he won't swim while he's on a beach vacation. Yeah. It's all just so, so that I guess that yeah. I guess I hate using the word a million times, but that's what labored writing is to me, where you like make yeah. everything so obvious and you just say it out loud a million times. Yeah. So it's like this existential quest or for nothing. Like what if one of these movies was about nothing? This fucking cat has to get off my my stuff. Uh so yeah, it doesn't really deconstruct anything. It just is a movie about a hitman who's on a job. And I'm telling you, you watch this movie and you see the characters that inhabit it, you will go, okay, so he's going to do this and you you will be right. And the, the movie will just be that. Yep. So it's very disappointing. There's not really much else to say. There's it's really not. I yeah. mean, there's like a relationship he has with potentially the girlfriend of the target although i think that's left intentionally vague whether or not she has any kind of connection to the guy other than the professional one that her mother is the real estate agent who sold the drug dealer the house like is there something there or is she just wrong place wrong time and he just happens to be there um yeah there's a lot of stuff like that going on it's not it it, it's not very mysterious the character is not a mystery there's no enigma here there's no puzzle to unwrap and put together it's just it's just there and how much you appreciate it is how much you like seeing <laughs> Ian McShane be cool and retrospective for about two hours. And the, I was fine with it to a certain extent, but no, not with this material backing it up. Not at all. Yeah, it definitely is underwhelming. I wish there was more to say. This is going to be a quick episode. Apparently there's really not a lot to say about a lot of these movies. Yeah. Uh, it's just so damn obvious. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. And yeah, nothing to say. Uh, two feels one and a half. It's one and a half. It's a one and a half. Okay. For me. Yeah. I'm giving it two because I, the performance like beyond McShane, the yeah. performances are good. I liked the um, Nora. It doesn't look, it doesn't look bad. It looks she like plays a movie. woman who might be caught up in the whole thing and might not be. She's good. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really hard. I like the, I like the little moments with the kid, the kid who doesn't have any parents, his parents are always fighting. And so he kind of yeah. has this relationship with him because his character never had any kids. Oh yeah. That's the other thing that he's looking for a legacy too. Where's that legacy going to be like all the stuff you expect, but it yep. doesn't dive into it at all. No. The backdrop is it's pretty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got yeah. some stuff going for it. Just not nearly enough. Yeah. Totally agree. Let's talk about the next film, which is The Seating. Talk about an obvious metaphor. It's obvious metaphor week at the Roger and Me podcast. Uh, Here's the trailer for The Seating. Hello! Can anybody hear me? Get me out of here! Hello? Hello? Mother said we live in the desert. But out there lives a mirage. This movie really let me down, Mark, because I love the idea of a bunch of feral children running amok and like keeping these people prisoner. But the movie is not really interested in that aspect of it. It's more interested in beating you over the head with the idea that what we're seeing is an allegory 
for society and the world at large to the point where the movie literally says the word microcosm and explains what a microcosm is to the viewer. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes the movie's like subtle and you can't figure out what it's doing. And then other times they have a character say microcosm and then define it on screen. So metaphor cinema is having a tough week. It just did nothing for me. And I really like Katie, Caitlin Scheel, who's in this. I, I do not like the lead guy, whoever he is. He's bad. But Caitlin Scheel's always good and she's fine here. But the movie is repetitive and boring. It's a guy lost in the woods who is ends up stuck in a house. Yeah, sorry. A guy lost in the desert uh, who ends up stuck in a house with this woman who's there. And it's like this movie about domesticity and being tied down in marriage and having children and things like that. Familial life is men submitting to a woman's whims and literally being caged. It is just so on the fucking nose. And just not that interesting. It's such a, it's the longest hundred minute movie I can remember seeing in recent memory. It's just so plotting and boring. Uh, do you agree with all that that I said? Yeah, I do. And I think the idea of it trying to function as a thriller is laughable on top of it all when you have this very, very specific allegory that it's trying to go to. And I think it botches the allegory too. I it think does. it botches it <laughs> yeah. big time. Big yeah. time by the end. Whatever it's trying to say by the end is so confused and muddled that I don't think it says much of anything. But as a thriller, it's it's so dumb. And <laughs> the lead guy doesn't help. He's Scott Hayes. I hate to I hate to hamper on Sorry, guy, dude. He doesn't have it. <laughs> it's not a good performance, but it's no. a, but but how do you perform this character in any convincing way? This guy yeah. who finds a kid in the desert and just follows him for no reason completely in the wrong direction from his car because the lost kid says no my parents who are missing are that way i know that for sure i know they're that direction like how how does this guy function in life <laughs> i don't get yeah. it um and there's so many other moments like that that don't work like him yelling his conspiracy to the one sympathetic kid the yeah. kid because the kid is talking like a normal level he's just like yeah you know what we'll go and do that and he's like hey why don't you toss me down a rope later yeah it's so <laughs> it's so weird that yeah like, you would think you would think that the director would figure out like let's come up with a way that this works like if the kid could talk at a normal level then he should be able to talk at a normal level. I don't know if they were shot at different times. I don't know if they <laughs> the director changed his mind like yeah. in between shooting. I don't know what happened there. It makes no sense. Um, yeah, so I'm 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 definitely down on this one as a thriller, even though it has a decent premise, and definitely as an allegory, because you're right, it is so on the nose. Like this. <laughs> Uh, Shields' character is like this isolated woman who has never experienced anything except this cabin, apparently. Mm -hmm. But as soon as she needs to, she can knock down his entire philosophy of freedom with like a couple of sentences. Like, how did you? How did you do that? How did you do that? Because um, he's like, I want the uh, my biggest thing is freedom. I want to be able to go do this and this and this. Well, that seems pretty limited, isn't that? Like living here, it doesn't sound like you're doing much more than this. Like that kind of stuff. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Except that the movie is going for that allegory of domesticity and responsibility, and how a guy like this who clings to his freedom flees from all that stuff, and what does that really get him in the end? I yeah, it's it's so frustrating and so irritating on both of those levels as a thriller and as an allegory. I just yeah, nope. There's definitely. <laughs> There's definitely room for a good movie about killer children. I feel like there's like mm -hmm. a thousand children of the corn movies, and one or two of them are okay. And this one is not is not the one. But I was hopeful for a minute that it would be cool, but it doesn't really do anything with the kids. Yeah, and um, there's so many questions about the kids and what. Yeah, I mean, again, if they... you just I, the movie thinks of them purely as like a meta, a, a, exactly sort of yeah. allegorical value. So it's like they're just there to represent what they represent, but they don't make sense in the movie, which None. is the whole thing in the nutshell. Uh, one and a half for the seating. Yeah, one and a half for me too. All right, let's keep the one and a half train rolling. Uh, here is Bad Hombres. Are you looking for a job? Yes. Oh, 
Music. Huevos. Mind telling me what y'all are doing out here? It's not what these undocumented immigrants are doing. It's why. That is to get rid of four dead bodies. Now five. You don't look so great. What did you do? We got a job from a couple of guys at the hardware store. They were connected. I don't really care. I do not have another car. I do have a 1972 Chevrolet Camaro. That trailer makes it look like a real movie more than the movie does. I found this to be one of those movies where every scene feels like it's five minutes too long. And it's just like characters are talking to fill time to get to the end. There's no substance to it. It's just cliche after cliche. There are some some actors you recognize that are good pop up, but they add nothing. I don't have anything to say about this, really. So I will jump throw to Mark, who will help me remind uh, remind me why this movie really just I thought was really, really bad. I'm I'm okay with the scenes going on a few minutes too long because it's more about the characters. And yes, the characters are cliches and archetypes and broad things, but I think the actors bring a certain flavor and a certain color to them that makes them not seem like functionaries in the plot for at least oh, for a little while. I think the strongest part of this is the opening when you have the two undocumented migrants and um, Luke Hemsworth right yes yeah luke hemsworth's character who's this very mysterious australian man who seems to be you know sympathetic and understanding of all that but he's got this tinge of you know something sinister going on beneath him and i liked having even though i knew exactly where it's going to go just because it's obvious i still i still liked watching that scene unfold in the desert as they're building something and you realize what's going on and what the characters are about. I mean, it's obvious, but who cares? It lets the characters breathe for a bit and let that scene build up in suspense. And there's other scenes like that, that happen and they're cliched stuff. Like there's, there's the scene with the veterinarian and you know that that's because, you know, that's what you yeah. do in a crime thriller. You go to yeah, the vet and it's all, yeah, it's full. It's full of that. The whole movie is full of that, that stuff. And that's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. That, that stuff overwhelms it eventually. It's it's too much, and it's it's too much focus you, on the plot. Yeah. Did you not find it to be so cheap that it's constantly cutting away from action? Like not just like people getting shot for one, but like the aftermath. Like it'll depict the aftermath of something rather than like the event. Like if a car crash is happening, it really awkwardly will cut away because they don't have enough money to do it. And then it'll show like a guy jumping out of a car a second later. It just was really shittily put together. I thought I didn't notice that part of it as much because I think I was, I was less focused on the action. I was less focused on the violence as I was on the characters because I think, and I, I, the characters who speak in platitudes about this land is your land. This land is my land. Yeah. But that's the character. But that's the character. You're specifically pointing out Luke Hemsworth's character who is supposed to be that guy that is saying those kind of things because that's what he's that's what he knows that that's the picture he's trying to paint of himself i don't think it's fair to say that all the characters speak in platitudes even though maybe a couple more do um <laughs> i'm just saying like just say, pointing that out with yeah. that character it's a little bit unfair yeah but, but like what he's getting at is just like the movie i was like what's this movie about like what's it getting at and it's like talking about how what every country steals from every other country like that's what he's getting at like i feel like it's trying to be deep about mexico and immigration but also not at all like it just is talking about it out of one side of its mouth and then just doing a movie where it's like cartels dumping dead bodies and shit i don't know like, yeah but yeah but i don't know if yeah. it really has i don't really know if it needs to say anything i think it just needs to set up that it's too i was expecting more political stuff based on the title which comes from yeah. trump, trump speak yeah yeah you would think it would but i yeah. I'm not I'm okay with it not having anything to say except to say like here are two characters who don't have any sort of legal means to correct what's going on don't have any they can't just go up to the cops and say we're being hunted by these people because they're just going to get arrested and deported like that just that's just to get the plot moving and to have a sympathetic character and that's it and it's okay and it works on that level I don't think it needs to say anything more. But my big issue with it is you have all these 
elements that are interesting, like Thomas Jane's junkyard guy. Like these are all cliche characters. I know they are, but the the actors bring something to them. Tyrese Gibson as the mystery man. I think he's a bit too much just in terms of like he he made the movie feel like uh, what do you call it? Like geezer teaser where like they paid him a million dollars to show up for 10 minutes. Yeah. Like that's what I felt like. For that's kind of yeah. where Tyrese Gibson is right now. I think in yeah. his career, which is like, okay, fine. I mean, he's good for him. I think he's good, but I mean, he found, he clearly does not. He yeah. He clearly does not want to. Yeah. He doesn't care to put in Oscar quality work in Oscar quality movies. He rather work, you know, a day and a half and make a yeah. million dollars on some piece of shit. Uh, which you know, again, great work. It works for Brando. I mean, yeah, hundred percent works for a lot of people. <laughs> it does. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not as down in this movie as you are, and I think it's because it does have some moments with characters. Did you at least like kind of laugh the chase, the way the chase at the veterinarian's office plays out by the end of it, like the climax of it? I guess a little bit, but then I just wrote bit. down like bizarre attempts at humor <laughs> that fall yeah. flat because it, it doesn't really it didn't make me laugh, really. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It yeah. didn't work for me, but uh, I acknowledge it's definitely a movie, but it's very derivative, very derivative. The violence is never really interesting. It's just I, I there's really nothing to recommend here for me. So I'm one and a half and I think that's generous. Oh, man, uh, I'm at two. Yeah, I'm not All I'm not right. too far away from you apparently, but I do think there are some there are some values here. There are some things to take away from it. We're hopping back on the one and a half train. Let's talk about the underdogs. America loves a superstar. I'm Jason, two James Jennings. I was a football legend. But once you reach the mountaintop of greatness, everybody wants to see you fall. Days this guy smokes. Damn! You pled guilty to charges of speeding and damage to city property. I'm recommending community service with the Long Beach Recreations Department. I thought I was getting like some Martha Stewart kind of treatment. You too good for the community that raised you. So the problem with underdogs is that you've seen this movie before, which would be fine because there's there at least there's some variations, right? Sure, but we've also seen this movie before with the variations that this movie's doing. Like, it's an underdog sports movie with an unlikable, narcissistic protagonist who's going to slum it and learn a lot from these kids. That's the basic thing, right? Variation one is that it's Bad News Bears style raunchy. The kids are inappropriate. This movie is rated R and proud of it. It tells you right up top, like fuck you this movie's rated r and kids get drunk in it and stuff it's very proud of that it's really all it has going for it but again i reference bad news bears because it's been done and it was done in like what the 70s <laughs> and then the second variation if you want to even call it that is snoop dogs in it and i feel like if we're doing rapper variations on this didn't ice cube do one it was directed by fred durst and it was called the long shots that's a real movie that exists. Oh man, it was a football movie. I just, I, 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 that, I do remember that. But like, my point is, what is this movie? If like, if you can't sell it as, yeah, it's an underdog sports movie, but you know, a rapper stars in it and Snoop Dogg. Like, you, I just don't understand the selling point. Like, all these things already exist, so it just there's nothing going on. If the movie were funny enough on its own, who cares? But it's not. Uh, it's not funny. It wasn't entertaining. I was annoyed with it. What did you think? Yeah, that's a big thing is that it's not funny. It doesn't it it tells you right up front, like you said, that disclaimer that kids in this are going to swear. But you know what? Kids in real life swear a lot worse than this. Like, yeah, OK, cool. And all of the all the kids stuff doesn't feel like it's pushing any envelopes. Like maybe you should have had the kids improvise some jokes and they would come up better than the ones that are here. Um and I hate to say it, Snoop Dogg is completely miscast. He is as the lead in his own starring vehicle. As the lead in his own starring movie. <laughs> he's miscast. He produced this movie and he should know better. I'm That's sorry. Such a, such a funny I, thing I, to say, but you're right. Yeah. I like Snoop Dogg. He's funny. He could be very funny. He is not the right guy for this role. He's too laid back. He is too easily charming. And he is too 
naturally funny in an unassuming way. And this character is supposed to be a jerk. Yeah. He's supposed it's, to be like yeah. the most obnoxious person you can think of. And he's very unlikable. Yeah, it's very unlikable. It's the same thing I the Trump ticket to paradise it, problem I have. Why are you taking Julia Roberts and George Clooney and making them anno- like very annoying and hate each other? Why are you taking Snoop Dogg and making him the most obnoxious guy? I mean, I know for the arc of the stupid movie, but like it yeah, doesn't but work. It, it, doesn't, it work. doesn't work. The performance doesn't work. And, you know, and I was as soon as Mike Epps shows up as like the loser from Long Beach who can't get his life together. I'm like, he would have been better. He would have been better. Well, yeah, I love Mike Epps. Easily. He's so funny. Yeah, too. And he yeah. gets nothing to do here, but do the nothing same joke over here. and over again. It's but he could have been funny and Snoop Dogg could have been a cameo. The, here's the most oh, here's the most annoying thing. If they really wanted to go for it, the whole movie is about bringing awareness to the fact that there are youth football camps and, and teams that need help and financial support and coaches. Snoop Dogg does that in real life. Yes. Why not? Why not make a documentary about that? Yeah, that's a good point. That would have been a better. There's your movie. If you really want to go for it, make a documentary about Snoop Dogg and his participation in youth football and what that means to him and to the community and these kids. Instead of coming up with this, that's a familiar, predictable plot. Like that's a Sundance opening night film right there that you described. Yeah, that's a that's a Sundance audience winner right there. Yeah, and this is certainly not. Uh, yeah, there's really just nothing to it. It's it, it hits all the formula beats you you know it will, and it doesn't really make you laugh along the way. Uh, I don't even think super fans of Snoop will find anything to like here. Uh, one and a half again, feeling very generous on my yeah, one, and one and a half, half train today. Yeah, one and a half for me too. This is <sighs> man. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be back next week with with a real movie <laughs> uh, alongside a bunch of other smaller ones. Uh, Argyle is out next week and boy is it expensive i've heard that movie cost a lot of money it's an apple movie so they that's how that happened (laughs) and uh, it's being distributed by universal so it's like a real in theaters movie it is not an apple uh on tv movie yet it's being treated like killers of the flower moon or napoleon you'll have to wait a while um so we'll talk about that and presumably other stuff until then Everybody's favorite. Nobody has any issue with this band that we play every week. There's not frequent complaints or anything. Alien Ant Farm with their hit song, Movies. The show starts in one...
Jalan sah, syada. Ush. 